Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever or wherever you're listening to this episode of the NI Golf Channel podcast. Myself and Emma are back for some more golfing chit-chat. We look back on the recent Irish Challenge at Port Marnock Links, which was won by Dan Housing. And we'll hear from Brendan Lawler, who's set to host the first ISBS Handa World Disability Invitational from July the 31st, August the 1st in Northern Ireland. Yep, and we've also got our news roundup. And of course, we have another major to discuss, the US Women's Open at Olympic. Right then, a wee bit of housekeeping before we move on. Our golf shoe giveaway, Emma, if you may remember, Ooh. way back at the start of this season, we had a lovely pair of Duca del Cosma golf shoes to give away. Well, we did come up with Ooh. a winner, randomly drawn from our episode, from our entrance, and it's Phil Crawford. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to Phil, who tells me he's donated them to his son. He must have to be the right size. So oh. lucky boy. Hopefully that helps Phil's young fella play a bit of golf and enjoy the good weather that's been out now lately. It's been lovely for golf this last couple of weeks, hasn't it? Oh, that's lovely. That's that's a very nice, a nice winner. I like that. That's really mm. good. Um, and of course, Paul, the Irish Challenge at Port Mornet Golf Club uh, was on last week, won by Dan Housing. He beat Spaniard Edward Russo on the first playoff hole. Now, Housing is, of course, a former winner of the NI Open at Galgorm Castle. Ballymena's Dermot McElroy went into the final day as leader and eventually finished tied fourth, which is his best challenge tour finish. And here's what the 27-year-old had to say. Dermot, great performance this week. How would you assess your week's play? Yeah, I played very well this week. Uh, I'm just especially happy um, in my overall game, you know. There, uh, basically, there, there was no destructive shots whatsoever. Um, I'm do- obviously disappointed not not taxi win because uh, I had a great opportunity uh, all day, uh, you know, to make a lot of birdies, but unfortunately it just, uh, just didn't happen. How much easier was it in, in these conditions? Did you did you prefer the challenge of the wind? Um, I always like a good challenge. You know, uh, mentally you do prepare for it, but uh, I do prefer. I obviously prefer to play in you know nice sunny weather, with a lot better breeze. But uh, no, the course the course was out there for the taking, as you see on the scores today. Um, and I gave myself plenty of chances, but I, I just I just just could not hold a pot at all today, unfortunately. And what are your ambitions for the rest of the season? Uh, well, again, I don't really know if. Uh, I get into next week because uh, I'm not actually a member of the Challenge Tour. I have no status on the Challenge Tour whatsoever, so um, I'm not too sure. But my main goal this year is to get on the Challenge Tour for the next year and obviously progress from there. And top Irishman this week, how proud of you are you of that? Yeah, no, it's a great achievement, obviously. Um, yeah, I've actually I've won that trophy before, so I have be four or five years ago. But um, no, again, it's, it's just great to play pretty good uh, and obviously uh, quite a big event you know um, yeah thank you for that and well done this week I know cheers too. Uh, it was also a solid tournament from Michael Hoey which is brilliant proving once again he knows his way around Link's terrain pretty well and um, Michael finished seventh while Tom McKibben made his first cut and got his first paycheck as a professional, which is fantastic news, and pocketed €3,600 for finishing tied 12th. It's not an awful lot of money, is it really, for finishing tied 12th? But I suppose from Tom's point of view, it's the fact that he made a cut and played four rounds, wouldn't it be? Yep. 
exactly, exactly that. Because there was there was glimmers of very you know very promising signs in in the first the first couple of uh, events. And yep, to to get the cup this soon, there's a lot of people don't do that. So right. congratulations to him. It's fantastic. Hmm. Now we're recording this on June the first, which is a Tuesday, and it just happens to be Women's Golf Day. So it got me thinking. And as mm. Emma is a female, you are a female, correct? Well done. Still, yes, yes. <laughs> so it got me thinking. It's twenty twenty one, Emma, and really, I'm just throwing this one idea. Why do we still need a Women's Golf Day? Should we still be having such a thing? Well. It's it's one of those, isn't it? You can argue it definitely both ways, which has got to be a very much encouraging sign. I would say the fact that we're even debating whether we should have it or not, because previously the debate, the debate would have been, you know, why have people not been having this? Because we need it to promote the game to women. Um, with the growth of the game recently, I think women in particular have been coming on board over, you know, the growth we've seen during the lockdowns or post-lockdowns, sorry. But when you look at the stats, which we hate to do, but it's still something between, it's like 15 to 25% is the average female kind of membership at a golf club. So I would say there's still a wee way to go with that. And it's not, I, I don't think it's the bandwagoning and the, you know, waving your feminist rights in the street. It's not It's not really about that. I don't think it's as offensive as, as some people could find that. It's just about promoting the game to, to women. And, and importantly, I think particularly young girls and just getting it, getting it out there it's a buy-in yes it's a commercial thing in a lot of ways where you know you can have your buy-in and you get your toolkit of marketing and all the rest of it and you become part of this wider sort of event but you know sometimes you do need that and you just need a bit of help and some golf clubs maybe don't have as much female membership and want to and it's just a way of getting more people on board and if people are happy to buy into it that way then I think it's it's still it's still a good thing to have definitely because mm. we just want more people to play the great game, don't we? So mm. um, I think, yeah, like I said, you know, it's nice that there maybe isn't as much of a need. You know, we've got very positive things recently, even with Port Marnock, for That's example, right. opening up right. membership up to women and things. So, you know, there's there's that side of it, which was back, had was a bit of a battle for a long time in, in the wider golfing world, which I would say probably isn't now. But, uh, you know, again, I think it's just growing the game and particularly young girls, you know, there's a massive dropout rate in young girls in general with sport between, you know, primary school and getting to secondary school and all that kind of thing. So anything that we can do to help that, I think, why not? Why not? Let's celebrate all women in golf and golf in general because it's brilliant, as we know. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that. makes perfect sense to me. I, I do think that, you know, maybe I, I just I just hate the the, the delete delineation of things you know that we've got a day for women's golf and a day you know well why don't we have a men's day for golf and a boys day for golf let's just have a golf day world golf day where golf well, is something that's promoted for everybody people with disabilities people are blind people and let's let, let's make it something that that isn't targeted at gender or identity i do feel that women's golf certainly there was a big need for it 10 years ago, I think women's golf is a boom, is a boom area of golf at the minute. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe it does need to keep being pushed, but um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to fight about it. I just, I just sometimes throw these things out and think to myself, you know, could we just not do a golf day, world golf day on the 1st of June every yes. year? 
that I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And that would be, in some ways, it feels like sometimes when people are trying to be more inclusive, like you say, they do end up separating things, which is just ironically not what they're yeah. aiming to do. So, yeah, I totally take your point. And I reckon it probably will. It'll be one of those things, as I say, that now there isn't maybe the great, as great an actual need for it. And it is has just become a bit more of a, not just a commercial thing. I don't think it is just commercial, but, you know, it's, it's not as needed as it were, that it probably will drift off a wee bit. But then we've got social media and things these days, haven't we? Which, you know, everybody everybody likes to, to mm. jump on. And, I you know, I put a picture up today saying how terrible my golf is, but I still love the game. And happy Women's Golf Day, everybody, and all the rest of it. So, I don't know. Maybe it won't go away. But I, I, I totally agree with you about having a, a golf day for all. I think that would be that would be really, a very heartwarming and, and exciting and inclusive, as we say, for everybody thing, which would be, you know, maybe much much better. Maybe you need to start that one off then, Paul. We'll leave that one with you. Thanks very much. <laughs> anyway, well, well, we're talking about women's golf. Uh, the U.S. Women's Open is on this week at Olympic Club. Uh, and Stephanie Meadow came through qualifying and is in the field, which is excellent. But of course, PK, as is now customary at every major, we discuss it is time for us to sink a couple of candidates and all their hopes for the week ahead. <laughs> Our picks for the U.S. PGA did not do very well. It's probably an understatement, let's be honest. Uh, your pick uh, of Victor Hovland was the best of a bad bunch. Uh, tied at 30th, I think he, he was. I was very hopeful for Gary Woodland. I was already yes, with my he was doing very well. Yes. And then five over on the last day. Thanks, Gary. Yeah. Sunk him straight out of the top 10, down to nearly the 40th or something. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So, you can go first this time, PK. Who is your money on? Who okay. should we Grinch okay. first? I have, I have been looking around again. Um, mm-hmm. US Open. You need a good putter. You need somebody who's straight, keeps yep. it in play. Somebody with experience who's been there and done it. NB Park. <gasps> NB Park I'm going for. Number one seed for the Paul Kelly pick. And then, as usual, I do tend to look around and look for people who are playing a bit and maybe playing well and coming into a bit of form. Sophia Popov beaten in the match play there the weekend. Mm-hmm. Looked at mm-hmm. her, but maybe I'm thinking US Open, big long course. Maya Ajitanagarn, yes. second uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago. So there's my second pick, Inby and Maya. Well, there you go, because great minds or fools, whatever way you want to look at it. Inby is, is my lady of the week as well. I think. Like you said, you've just said, you know, there's a, there's actually, you know, a lot of the preview information and things about the week is all focusing about, you know, the the need for the driving accuracy, which there's quite a few of them up there you could pick. But the way you're going to be coming into those greens, if you're not accurate, you know, because some of them, it's quite a tight golf course. We know that the fairways look a lot wider than they are. You've actually not got that much space, even as it looks off the tee because of the, the just that, the just lean in it's just not fair basically you could you could hit round there and think great and then it, you'll just see it fade off typical us open venue obviously it'll be playing as but um but yeah so my point being once you once you're 
even slightly off you've got to be able to recover from there and you're going to have some horrific short game shots if you're going to make put a score together anywhere around there and she's got all of it so there seems to be like I said a lot of focus on the driving accuracy but if you can't like you're just saying you've got to be the complete player particularly for any kind of men's or women's US Open if you're not going to be able to sink those pots from goodness knows where you've landed on those difficult greens when you finally get there then you've not got a hope and I think she is spot on she is the complete player and I know she said recently I think She's not aiming to get back up to being world number one. She's focusing on playing in the Olympics and all the rest of it. And I think you quite often find, don't you, when somebody's mind is not so intense on the thing at hand that actually then they end up playing even better. So I mm. reckon, like you say, I think I think she's one to watch. And the other person I'm going to go for is not a cordless sister. So oh. I have parted with the sisters. So, you know, for, for once. So yes, probably one of them shall win. But... Um, I've gone for Danielle Kang because oh. I think she's just been simmering recently. Um, she's I think she's finished fourth as her best US Open finish, so she's played well in them. So the you know the the layout of that kind of thing, she can play well. She was quarterfinals I think in the match play there, and I just keep not that I'm obsessed with social media, but I keep seeing her and Butch turning and throwing, and they sound like they're very positive about where her game is. And I don't think Mr. Harmon tends to go public with his endorsement of how his uh, his players are going necessarily unless he thinks they may be upon something soon, shall we say. So I'm she's gonna be my number two, Danielle Kang. Very good. So, that seems like bad luck in B. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the fact that both of us went in B and by the way, we weren't we weren't there was no cribbing being done here. We nope. were doing our work nope. separately. Nope. Um, so that's an interesting. Very much so. We so must, you're working out, and we, we must have. read. We must read the same the same uh, betting blogs online. <laughs> 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 but hopefully, we do a bit better this time. I do like a US Open. I do I do like a US mm. Open for the women more than men? I don't know why that is. Maybe it just seems a bit more playable. Some of the men US Opens are just like a slog after after about two or three hours. What you just want to turn over? Yeah, why you get exactly, exactly. submission so hopefully it's not set up no. and hopefully the hopefully weather's not. not it'd be nice to see stephanie do well as well you know yes exactly and you know the weather around there can be very not like california at all around that part of the world san francisco can be really quite cold and horrible in june so that might go in her favor because even though she's been out in the states forever <laughs> she's a she's a northern iron girl at heart she's... so she still knows how to play in gloom and doom <laughs> <laughs> Right, on with a wee bit of news, news and views for what's going on. So, um, new figures revealed recently that golf enjoyed an increase in participation by some 2.2 million adult golfers in GBNI last year. Um, and I think the key thing is now that the sport somehow manages to keep these people on board. Now they've got them. Um, the research that was led by the ORNA together with you know England Golf, Golf Ireland, Scottish Golf and Wales Golf, demonstrates, I suppose, what everybody's been talking about. It's anecdotal mm. up to now, really. Yeah. That, you know, during the lockdowns period, that period when golf was the only sport in town, that people went back to it and golf club memberships went up. Driving ranges have seen an awful increase. PGA professionals are talking about the number of people coming through the doors, looking lessons. Yeah. And it may just hopefully have swung the balance back because there was a, a lot of concern even four years ago about the drop off in numbers. So that's a good thing. Hmm. Now up to the governing yeah. bodies and the PGA and all those people to try and find some way to, to make sure golf 
remains accessible, doesn't cost itself out, and finds ways to keep yeah. these people involved. I don't know how they do that. They are making strides. You know, the World Handicap System and trying to get people playing again is, is a good move. So fingers crossed yeah. that, that we don't lose another load of youngsters over the next 10 years. No, well, I think it's it sounds like, you know, that's there's been a shift, I think, in the opinion and the attitude overall about how important the juniors are for the game. And it's not, oh, it's great if we've got them, but it doesn't matter if we don't. I think you're right. I think there is a lot more focus on on bringing them in and keeping them in and having strong junior sections and things. So, yeah, hopefully if people are trying to, to keep them happy rather than it being, oh, no, you can't practice here at this point when these people are playing and all the rest of the, the things that, you know, yeah. that some golf clubs would have would have had in the past that, yeah, they'll, they'll keep the people they've brought in, which would be excellent. Okay, shall we move on to a little bit more major news? So Alex Checker has secured his second senior major title of the season with a four-stroke victory at the KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship. The 50-year-old, who also won the region's tradition er, excuse me, earlier this month, is the first player since Jack Nicklaus in 1990 to win two senior majors in their first season on the PGA Tour Champions. I still cannot believe that he is playing on that tour, never mind winning <laughs> events, and how old do we all now feel? Anyway, moving do you, on. Do you remember interviewing him in a past life? I don't remember interviewing him, but I do remember because we'd always keep an eye out wouldn't we for the european players and european names and and learning to spell his name to make sure it was right in our graphics was something i did at the very beginning of my career when i started covering golf and that was now a long time ago so it's just like what how is that but then you know phil mickelson's 50 moving yeah. on to that so but that's what know, we're talking about the, you whole, know, phil. the whole world's getting older yeah that, not <laughs> only that the whole world's getting older and, and seemingly getting better at golf so Phil is still basking in the glory of his PGA Championship win. So, like, let's be honest, when we were discussing this in the last episode, neither of us would have put any money on Phil Mickelson. Not a sniff no. of Phil no, Mickelson. Not a cent. Not, not a cent. No, not a bit of it. So, listen, all you can say is whatever witchery and witchcraft he's up to, it's clearly working. <laughs> Sacrificing things away from the golf course or something but he did play so well it was a lovely tournament you kept waiting for him yeah. to fire one into the drink and, and bring other people back into it but he didn't he just kept on no. playing brilliant golf um it was a great no. tournament even you know for porig and shane playing together the last day and oh yeah coming up with the leaderboard so it was so good on so many levels and then of course the whole thing was ruined by bryson and brooks <laughs> nonsense Oh, now, I'm sure everybody see. who listens to who watches golf has seen this video because there's no point in us talking about it again. But you know, it's it's out yeah. there. It's 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 Brooks giving a very candid interview and Bryson being in the background muttering something at him, and Brooks essentially nearly losing the will to live and giving off an awful stink <laughs> about him. So um I don't know what you think about it. It's it's not only has it gone the, the, the video itself was interesting because it was an insight into just how much they do not like each other. You know, it's, it's it's not just, you know, um, something on the periphery. They, they do not like each other. And that's okay. That happens yeah. in life. Um, but mm -hmm. then the way it's gone on on social media, like, since it's just totally yawn. Like, I, you just want to slap I the two of them and tell them to catch themselves on. 
I know, but don't you worry. This is the sort of thing that's just going to happen more and more of because of the uh, the incentive, financial million. incentives mm. about the social media. And I think that's I think this is half the problem, and I think it's why also agents like Patrick Reed are going to do well out of it as well. Because you yeah. know what's what's worse than not being talked, you know, being talked about, not being talked about, or whatever the Oscar world saying is that I'm that's not getting point. out of my mouth properly. But you know what I mean. And I don't know. But it do- the only thing is, I would say, like you're right. I think it the only thing that it's saving grace almost is is that it does seem to be real because if it was like they were doing it you know to pretend that would just be really like oh for goodness sake guys you know jog on your big boys but I think that's the only thing is that they genuinely don't like each other but I think one of the things is is that golf's not really it doesn't really let it the professional side of golf doesn't really let you see that side of it like you're not meant it's not like they're all holding hands skipping down the fairway but you know it's not something we see very often and it of course it's going to be going on and you know that everyone's making a deal of it because they'll probably be on the Ryder Cup team together mm-hmm. and the thought mm-hmm. of them being paired together and or even sitting in the same room on the same team but you know it's not like everybody loved Monty or Nick Faldo or you know when when they were playing on the European team but everyone gets it together for Ryder Cup week don't they but you know you always work with people you don't necessarily get on with and in a way it's kind of refreshing to kind of see that side of it rather than the let's all kind of pretend that we're just going to be tolerant of each other and that eye roll I mean like that is oh, my two-year-old like it's like that kind of reaction so yeah it's um it's an interesting one it is yeah, it is I an mean, interesting like one for kind of yeah, it's an interesting one for the Ryder Cup dynamic. You know, these are two big, mm. big players in the Ryder yeah. Cup team. You know, and could you could you get into a situation where there's a Bryson camp and a Brooks camp? That would be the concern. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, exactly. that 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 mm. is that is a an interesting one for Steve Stricker to deal with. That definitely is. It is, but he'll he'll have his experienced people there. He'll help him whip them into shape. And if nothing else, you would hope that they would both have at least enough respect for Steve Stricker that they would just like calm the hell down for a week or two weeks or however long. But, but equally, wouldn't it be kind of fun if they didn't? Whistling straights, you know, there's a, there's a lot of water there. There could be interesting seeing who chucks who into the lake. Anyway, we probably shouldn't think things like that. <laughs> but um, let's get back to Ireland, shall we? The, be- the best country of all. Ireland's leading amateurs are back competing. Over in St Andrews, Beth Coulter and Anne Donegan grabbed top 10 finishes in the St Rogue Trophy. Hugh Foley was the leading Irishman at the Scottish Men's Open Championship, finishing tied for 16th. And Olivia Mahaffey made a professional debut at Mission Inn Resort and Club on the Symmetra Tour last week. Olivia carded rounds of 77 and 74 to miss the cut by one. I'm sure she'll improve over the weeks. Absolutely. And as coronavirus cases continue to decline, thank goodness, across Northern Ireland, there is more confidence that some spectators will be able to attend the ISBS Handa World Invitational. If you're interested, you need to register your interest. Visit worldinvitational.gov. Quite quite hard to type in correct in one go, but there's no dot coms or anything to worry about. So there you go, worldinvitational.gov. If you're lucky enough to attend, you'll hopefully get the chance to watch some of the best disability golfers in the world competing. Brendan Lawler will host the first ISPS Handa World Disability Invitational from 
July the 31st until the 1st of August, and Paul caught up with him to hear how plans are progressing. The ISPS Handa World Disability Invitational. Now, it's yeah. great that you're going to be hosting it and the name out front, but tell us a wee bit about what's going to happen. Yeah, so <clears throat> I'll just start off on the journey. It's been three years since I've started Disability Golf now, and I sort of had a vision of I always wanted to host an event in Ireland or even just have an event in Ireland. It was, it's been a massive three years. Lots of things have come. Didn't think I'd be this far in sort of my career in such a short space of time. And getting the hosted event pushed over line was massive for me. It was um, heavily got to do with Modest Golf, ISPS Handa, European Tour, the, Ed, the European Disabled Golf Association. And uh, without any of them guys this wouldn't happen so it's been truly incredible and another great opportunity to showcase inclusion and what we can do yeah now i think the idea is there's going to be four events in total the european tour announced this you can maybe fill us in a wee bit about that but in terms of just the people who are going to be playing here at galgorm you know what sort of quality are we talking about the very highest level of world golf oh yes highest level of disability golfers i think they're going by the top 20 and they're splitting it up like two, four, six, eight, ten will play one swing, and then one, three, five, seven, nine will play another swing. And then the top four from each swing will get a ticket to Dubai to play at the DP World in November. So it's a massive driven goal. Like, if that doesn't motivate you, I don't think anything would to play in the, one of the nicest countries in the world on the European tour where the world's best golfers go to because it's the the last Rolex series event so as I said it's a dream come true hopefully there'll be guys from America there and um, all over Europe that's the plan I don't know too much about it yet but um, we're hopefully going to see the best of the best out of the top 25 in the world rankings with disabilities so it's going to be a good one and there's going to be crowds there as well which means it's even better yeah, because you're going to actually be playing at the same time as the event. So I understand if you're playing beforehand or, or afterwards, you're slap bang in the middle of things. We are on the Sunday. On the Saturday, we're going to play Mazarin. So our first round is a Mazarin to uh, basically just it's the, the crowds. Like there's a ladies event and a males event. And what I love about Modest and I love about the European Tour, they didn't want it to be a complete sideshow and just pop us in there. They want us to be in the main frame of the competition. And that's why they're having us in between groups on the Sunday, that the last group will sort of finish maybe 20 minutes before the final group. So you can share the full experience of the um, the press or the prize given. So you'll get that full experience, all the crowd sort of cheering you on, sort of giving you that full setup on, on stage to sort of just go out there and, and show what we can do. and, and trying to get more people into the game is, is what, what we're trying to do. And you personally, now you're going to have to play a wee bit, get the form up and running, because obviously mm. you're the headline act here, you can't be down the field. What about your own game, Brenton? I know you haven't been playing too much, but things have started to relax a bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty sharp. I'm playing quite well at the minute. I was in Galgorm yesterday. Sit, just get my preparation sorted here. <laughs> I was on to the guys and um, I got around there. Shot two under, played pretty well. Nice. And then, um, no, I'm really happy with my game. It was sort of during lockdown, I kept everything ticking over, but when there was nothing to play for, it was very hard to motivate yourself. And not that I wasn't practicing, but I could have done more. 
but there was nothing to play for. So I worked a few days in with dad just to keep the head right, keep everything ticking over. And I love golf. I love focusing on the full time. When, when there's no events, it is pretty hard because there's no end goal. But as soon as we got the word that we're playing on the European tour, we have a few clutch events on in England next week, I literally hit the ground running seven, eight hours a day, just grinding and grinding. And my game's in really, really top top shape at the minute. And for a few weeks there, my putting was good, my irons were good. Then I go out the next day and something was off. And I was playing really well and shooting like level power one over in first gear. And I was just wondering, why aren't I going low? Now things are starting to tick together and, and the game's in a good place. It's going to be a great week. They're going to get the full experience like any normal professional would if they went to an event. And I think it's going to be fun. And that's it for another episode, another Jammers episode oh. of the podcast. Thanks again once to everybody <laughs> who listens and engages with us on social media. Please feel free to do so. Get in touch. Tell us what's going on. Um, we'll be back again in a few weeks with more opinion and updates. And I'm sure there'll be more major news. There seems to be majors around the corner every turn around these days because it's concertina season. Majors everywhere you look. And people going down in flames as we put money on them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. And once again, we'll be keeping up to date on Twitter with how our, our tips are going. And usually, usually down. However, um, <laughs> thanks very much, everybody, as usual. And we'll see you in a few weeks. Bye. Bye. All right, don't touch me. Sea <laughs> Shaking that ass.